and welcome to Actually Best Choice Movies, the world's only movie podcast. Uh, my name is Chris Chafin. I'm one of the hosts. Hello, I am Chris Chafin's friend Caleb Shively, one of the hosts of the podcast. Every week on the show, uh, we talk about two films which fit together like the continents into Pangea. South America into Africa's armpit, yeah. Yes, exactly. That is exactly how the movies fit together. Uh, so this week we're talking about two films as usual. Uh, the first one is Portrait of a Lady on Fire. That's from this, this year? or two? I wouldn't say t- it was last year. You count it as 19. It's it in theaters com- now, yeah, but you count it last year. It came out in like November or something, right? Uh, it premiered at Cannes last year and it had like, yeah, October run for a limited week, so for award or eligibility. Right, right, exactly. So that, and then we're also talking about another um, simmering same-sex attraction movie uh, that's Call Me By Your Name from 2017. I was, as, uh, as I often so am, long ago. depressed to find out how long ago something <laughs> I think of as being new was. I was like, fuck, that was three years ago? Jesus Christ. Um, so that's all this week on, actually, Best Choice. Best choice. Movies! Movies. <laughs> Um, so, so this week on the show, we actually have a guest, which is very exciting. We um, actually do something on this show. I know. We're actually like, we're trying stuff out. Like, and it's for, it's all for you, the listener. So if you don't like it, like, that's pretty ungrateful. Um, it is the host of AOL Build, uh, writer and my good friend, uh, Mr. Ricky Camilleri. Or should I say, should I say Richard Camilleri? No, Ricky's good. Ricky, Ricky. Camilleri. Yeah. Hey, how, how's it going? What's up? It's going great, dude. Thanks so much for having. Thanks so much for having us. Thanks for having me. Thanks. That's the no, way. Thanks it for having us. Yeah. Thanks for having and me. And your time spent. <laughs> um, I've, all I got is time, man. I'm okay. I'm all right. <laughs> it is. I. I know that's true. It's very sad. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um. So this is the part where we talk about the movies we saw recently. So Ricky, as the guest, please, I would love to hear Start about us. So what, what have you? What have you been seeing recently? Uh, last week I saw The Invisible Man. He said that wherever I went, he would find me walk right up to me and I wouldn't be able to see him. Are you okay? Someone sitting in that chair. Uh, which I thought was great. I like Lee 1L a lot. Yeah, I, I saw that yesterday. Uh, yeah, you saw it in the theater. I did see it in the theater. A uh, good crowd. Great crowd. It was a screening crowd. Oh, and nice. Everybody, everybody liked it a lot. Um, did you like... Uh, it's like an industry screening for people who are important. No, right. press people, the, the, the least important people possible. <laughs> Dirtbags. Um, have you, uh, did you see Upgrade? Upgrade, yeah, I saw Upgrade, which, uh, yeah, weird premise, but he nailed the action sequences a lot. Yeah, I loved Upgrade. I thought it was a really well done B-movie, and I think Invisible Man is uh, the same. I don't know, he achieved like a very specific early 90s thriller look. Oh, definitely. So hard to do on the kind of budget that I heard that he had. Yeah, it was a kind of small, small budget, uh, and he had to spend most of it on matching uh green screen because she doesn't elizabeth moss isn't trained to do stunt work and there's a lot of some stunt work that she wouldn't do oh, <laughs> oh really? is that true yeah like, so they had, like, had like fall out of the attic uh the, throwing her against the wall yeah throw oh, oh yeah they're, they're falling out of the attic i looked very closely at that scene like that is not <laughs> oh no it. that's yeah. so clearly not i mean they do a good job with it but like it's so clearly shot from the back yeah and like at no point does she look anywhere you just it's like a dude with a, a wig on but how much of it it's 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 like just her alone in a room being scared what no, is that like yeah. a lot of the movie i mean if you really pay attention to it you can see that there's literally like three locations two of which are like redressed to be like there's there's two hospital locations one is an asylum and one is an actual hospital Mm -hmm. and they're clearly the same hallway (laughs) Uh, and then there's like two houses one is like a mansion like you know a glass enclosed kind of mansion in the hills and the other is sort of like a 
what's supposed to be like I think somewhere down in LA even though it was shot in Australia it's supposed to be kind of a lower income house uh, but that's really it and then right. a few spots on the road it's a pretty low budget movie that still is uh, framed beautifully yeah they do a lot like, of because uh, it's her looking around so they do a lot of good camera movement of her just like searching of like mm-hmm. and the camera moves with it I thought that was a cool trick uh, it starts off really well too like uh, oh, that opening sequence yeah is dope, opening right? sequence is like oh cool we're in it like it uh, like don't even see him. He's uh, very much on her side already. She, uh, she's being abused. Although my only thought about that opening sequence, which is so silly and not even a critique uh-huh. of the movie, is that it opens with the two of them in bed. And I get that he's holding on to her because he's like, you know, overbearing and abusive. And like, it's hard for, like, I'm sure he sleeps that way with her all the time. And I know that she's pretending to sleep. But anytime I go to sleep next to somebody, like, the bed is a mess. <laughs> like, it's just a disaster zone within 15 minutes of people laying in bed together. That bed is, like, pristine. And they just, like, laid under the covers and just did not move. Well, that's how controlling he is, Ricky. Yeah, exactly. Even the bed is pristine. Right. Uh, also, this is a little thing that means nothing in the movie. I noticed everyone wore black Nikes, like, mm-hmm. with, with big white checks. I was like... Really? Oh, yeah. Heaven's uh, Gate reference, maybe? Yeah. <laughs> oh, maybe. <laughs> Um, yeah, I have not seen this movie, but I am a big fan of, like, Elizabeth Moss goes insane in the frame. I could murder you right now, and no one would ever know. Like, isn't that... Oh, her? she's oh, great. Yeah, she's so great yeah. at it. She is yeah. the queen of uh, a vulnerable character stealing her wills into, like, into strength. She's uh, the that's her thing. underdog. Like, yeah. she is the absolute Hollywood underdog She's right so now, good, I yeah. Think. I don't it's, think you can cast her as anything else. Yeah, uh, it's amazing that she's leading a number one movie, too. Like, who's, like, Peggy Olsen, million, yeah. right? Uh, I think it was which, only on 30. Yeah. Oh, really? Invisible Man. Like, Peggy Olsen's now... It's, it was the number one movie. Yeah. It was a Universal no Studio five, movie, yeah. $5 million budget, and it's made $30 million. Yeah. Oh, my like, God, that's crazy. Yeah. Crazy success. Blumhouse, man. Blumhouse crazy. They, uh, great casting. Like, she she absolutely carries this movie. Well, let's I, see how crazy you guys think Blumhouse is when The Hunt comes out. <laughs> <laughs> they do... So, like, they just throw so much at the wall that... I give They get a forever pass, kind of. Did you, did you want to see... Did you see something, Christopher? Oh, my God. Well, um, so as I've said several times on the show, I am a dad now. And uh, so I reached like a new level of dad this weekend. You unlocked dad level four? Yes, I evolved like a much like a Pokemon from Detective Pikachu, which we were talking about recently. Um, I started watching The Dirty Dozen at 10 a.m. on a Sunday. Either you can file up in training and be shipped back here for immediate execution of sentence. Or you can file up in combat, in which case I will personally blow your brains out. Or you can do as you're told, in which case you might just get by. And I was like, this just feels right to me. Like, (laughs) this feels like where I'm at in my life and what should be happening. I have never seen The Dirty Dozen before. I would never in my life have sought it out. But, like, I guess Netflix knows I was shopping for baby clothes. This is the original. So it was like, please uh, watch The Dirty Dozen. Not a remake that I assume they made that I really forgot about. No, it's the original. Is Cassavetes in that one? Yeah, Cassavetes. I didn't even. Okay, this is going to make me sound like. I haven't seen it. I didn't know that John Cassavetes was, like, such a good actor or such a prolific actor. Like, he's great. Apparently, for every director that he works. Oh, with. really? Like, I mean, he's, I mean, his character is a huge piece of shit, and yeah. the, his job is to just scream at everyone and be like a troublemaker, you know. And he's <laughs> fantastic at it. We go on that mission, we all get killed. That's what they want. That's what they want. Polanski hated him. Like Polanski and him hated each other. Well, I I tend well, to agree right with Roman there? Polanski on everything. <laughs> I support every, literally everything he's ever done. So uh, there was, he was in the news this uh, yesterday. Cesar Awards. Oh, yeah. Did you hear about that? This ties into yeah, to Portrait of Lady on Fire, uh, where the, the star uh, uh, and the director. Uh, yeah, the director. they both walked out when because he won uh, for best director. Uh, Polanski did, and they walked out of the awards. And on her way out, uh, Adele. Uh, Adele uh, Hanel. Adele Adel- Hanel Adel- 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 yeah. was. Um, 
clapping and saying in French, I believe I should look it up, something along the lines of like, let's award a pedophile, (laughs) which is like so intense. Yeah, it's like not a great time to be giving awards to Roman Polanski. Like, not a great time to be a pedophile. It's yeah. just can it's we just, just say it's a terrible time to be a pedophile? Yeah, like, guys, if you're out there and you're pedophile, just stop. Not a good time for. Although, it. I mean, an interesting thing to talk about when we talk about "Call Me by Your Name." Like, how does that intersect with all of that? Hmm. Um, because we all kind of he's pretend seventeen. It's not close about enough. An adult and a child having sex. Um, <laughs> so, what about you, Caleb? What else? What else? Are oh, you I finally watched Ford v Ferrari. Uh, just to really pay attention oh to the so wait, editing. Are you a dad also? <laughs> no, I just uh, want to look at editing for best editing Oscars. Uh, they do a good job editing the action sequences, and I guess what they give editing Oscars to, if it's a weird enough story they make very cheesy and palpable, they're like, oh, cool, uh, this dumb thing is now easy to follow. It's a fine movie. I didn't hate it. Uh, Bale is on his uh, fighter big character swing of acting is, he's using his real accent in this movie or is he I doing think, a different I guess no, it's, like, it's a slightly different yeah I was gonna say I guess it's like, I guess it's, yeah, it's the accent that he did uh, when he got an award at the Golden Globes for whatever the last movie he won an award for he got on stage he was like <laughs> I don't think so much like he did this big and it was like what are you doing and it was it's not his real voice it was his accent from Ford v Ferrari he just like wasn't God, dropping it that's, so, uh, that's extremely Christian Bale yeah. <laughs> yeah. but ABC favorite Tracy Letts is in it great oh yeah great in it loved him in it it's a movie about middle aged men he's Ford. Has got to be he's Ford. He's kind of the best part of the movie. <laughs> yeah. I think. Uh, but yeah, it's, it's I don't know. It's just, it's just a fucking stupid idea. It just idea seems like such a dad airplane movie it, to me. It's not like, horrible. No, it's not. It's incredibly yeah. well made. Is it really? Yes. Yeah. I mean, it's a good filmmaker. It's like a, sh- a really strong filmmaker with a hundred million dollar budget. Yeah. Like, he just it's like pretty solid. It's just like he adds on the sap, which I guess they kind of need to because yeah. Ken Miles is kind of a cool guy. When along with the Christian Bale character, he's like, I actually that's a kind of amazing story, but. They add some like sap with a kid. Noah Joop, who, uh, who honey, bo- honey boy, honey boy. boy's in that shit. I felt betrayed when I learned that neither Matt Damon nor Christian Bale was Ford, Ford or, or Ferrari. Ferrari. I was like, well, what the fuck is even going on? That's in this the first movie? question like, Meredith asked me. Like, which one's Ford? But she comes in and I'm watching. Who's Ford and who's Ferrari? I'm like, <laughs> neither. Well, I'll sit down because here's I have to explain this entire premise to you. <laughs> the movie starts off on like them just Ferrari insults Ford, and so like that's the premise of the movie. Like, I'll get him back by winning this race. That's the movie. This, in case you can hear it on the show, which probably you can, that is my baby. I'm which who I'm ignoring to make this podcast. As we talk about Chris being a dad, he's being know, an absentee father. I am, currently. On, I am on paternity leave. I've spent all day with the baby, so, I've, so I clearly have, you've done a good job considering yeah. it's crime. I was just saying my number one goal is to make sure she's happy when Catherine gets home. I didn't say she will stay happy like for the rest of the night. Um, is that it? Nobody has any other things they want to talk about. Oh, I do. Um, speaking of sports movies. Wait, are the movies that we talk about in this moment, do they have to be new? No. Should yeah, they be new? No, I just, no. Should they be the part dirty of the conversation? <laughs> I was in a bad mood the other night, and I was like, you know what I want to watch? I want to watch Nick Nolte yell at people for blue two chips. hours. <laughs> blue Chips is on Hell Prime, yeah. and it was sick. I love Blue Chips. I had never seen it. The opening scene, well, it suffers from the opening scene being the best scene of the movie, <laughs> where he like it opens with him screaming at the players, and then he gets so mad he walks out of the locker room. And you think the scene's over, but then he comes back to yell at them some more. <laughs> and then he and then he like gets tired and he leaves the locker room and you think the scene is over again, but he comes back in the locker room and keeps and I was just like, please let the let rest of this movie just be this over and over again. And it kind of is uh kind of isn't, but it's a great movie. It's a great movie. Uh Friedkin loves William Friedkin, the director exorcist, uh sorcerer, one of my favorite directors. Uh he loves basketball. Uh, he almost uh quit directing just so he could uh, watch the Celtics for an entire season. <laughs> like during the 80s, we could hang out with like Larry Bird. Oh, I think stuff. I heard this story, yeah. right? Oh, I heard it's in the movie too. Yeah, yeah. Uh, my favorite scene in the movie is when he discovers 
the non-famous basketball player, the uh, white kid who just is really good at shooting. He's in the backyard the, shooting. That Larry uh, Bird introduces him yeah, to. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Uh, that's really funny. And yeah, there's Bob Cousy hits a bunch of free throws in this movie. Uh, they're called the team's called the Dolphins. There's so much to love about. <laughs> the team's called the Dolphins. So, there's so much incredible like documentary style camera work going on, like of the games as well. Mm-hmm. Like it's one of the more believable oh, basketball yeah. movie, like basketball movies in the sense that they have huge crowd. They clearly had a budget for crowds and could shoot games and incredible like the rack focusing and the whip pans are so cool yeah and most of the time like even something in a movie like he got game which i love kind of doesn't look great when no. it's on when it's on the court yeah the uh, ncaa apparently hates the movie yeah 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 well, they couldn't a- get, yeah that's why they had to call the team the dolphins because they couldn't get permission to use any right. <laughs> close to a real college well, because it's about them, like, breaking all the rules of the NCAA. It's about playing, right? yeah, it's about uh, paying kids to go to college. Uh, Which is it definitely what happens. Yeah. yeah, right. Not a movie, but have you guys um, been watching or have watched High Fidelity yet? Keep listening. There might be more here than you thought. The no, show? I have not. No, I haven't either. I, I heard it's great, but I haven't watched it because I thought maybe it's not great. No, it's great. <laughs> it's surprisingly great. <laughs> Do you great. really like it? I really loved it. Yeah. It it's doesn't just... it doesn't try too hard. It doesn't try super hard to be like, oh, it's about a woman now, so we have to like drop in all these references. Or it's like, oh, it's 2020, so we have to drop. It just feels incredibly well-developed and made. It's light. You know, it's not like a huge drama. It's like mm-hmm. a... 10 episode, 8 episode, light 30 minute show. I mean, but that's like what I need solid. in my life. Is because every You'll show every show is an hour long and super depressing. And Divine Joy Randolph is like mm. so oh, yeah. great as the Jack Black character. I was, uh, oh, I was, I was wondering yeah. who the Jack Black is. She's the Jack Black character and she's amazing. Yeah, very funny. How is, how is Zoe uh, in the show? Zoe's great. Zoe Kravitz is pretty good. She takes a beat to get used to because she's so flat. Um, <laughs> her, her, her delivery uh but it's not <laughs> oh i thought you meant i thought you were talking about something else i was I'm sorry, not Ruthie. i was not but i because this is three men in a room on, with microphones <laughs> i felt the need to clarify which may have actually made it worse it did like make I was it a lot worse make a joke sure. i wasn't yeah, trying right. to make a joke i was just insecure about the, t- <laughs> the tone that i was taking i thought you meant she didn't pop on screen like oh yeah she's kind of flat i thought you meant that unfortunately she was run over with a steamroller like a looney tune <laughs> <laughs> Uh, but yeah, it's great. You guys would, I think you'd probably, I think you'd love it. I think anybody who watches it would love it. I mean, I keep thinking about, but they I just don't did know. a good job. Like, you ever just watch a show and you're like, oh, good job. You guys <laughs> just did this right. It's like, whether you love it or not, you're like, it was a well made, right? Yeah. yeah, no, no. That is a very nice feeling to have yeah. instead of feeling like nitpicky and betrayed, like after yeah. watching something, you know? Um, so, I don't know. That's enough of this bullshit. Sure. Um, her first movie this week is Portrait, Portrait. of a Lady, Lady on Fire. Empire. Does love exist at first glance? What if that first glance is extended due to the fact that you are painting a portrait of the person, memorizing lines of the face and studying their intricate behavior? Celine Siama's Portrait of a Lady on Fire takes place in 18th century France, it concerns a young painter, Marianne, traveling to remote manor to paint the young, rebellious Heloise. The portrait will serve as a receipt of sorts for Heloise's upcoming nuptials. The thing is, Heloise, played by Adele Hanel, who actually dated Siama, uh, doesn't want to get married. Oh, really? Uh, she doesn't want to get married at all, uh, meaning she doesn't want to get this portrait painted and has gone through a number of painters beforehand, refusing to sit for them. Uh, it is up to Marianne to paint this portrait on the sly, and over the course of long looks and the time spent together, 
The guys is turned into a real relation, a real relationship full of excitement, lust, and seduction. <laughs> seduction slowly to convey the pacing of this movie. Were you having a stroke or was no, that? No, I'm was saying it. Yeah, okay. uh, seduction slowly to convey the pacing of this movie. The plot and the love in this movie gro- moves and grows gradually. Uh, beautifully patient and shot to reflect 18th century paintings by uh, her cinematographer Claire Mathen, who shot last year's at, as well as last year's Atlantics, as well as two of my favorite movies from Alain Girard, uh, *Staying Vertical*, *Stranger by the Lake*. Uh, *Portrait of a Lady on Fire* is being universally praised and even won the Best Screenplay Award upon its premiere at the Cannes Film Festival. Let us discuss. And the queer palm, right? Oh yeah, I did one yeah, queer palm. Yeah. Queer palm. Oh, is that a thing? Yeah, I guess I've, I saw it on Wikipedia. Yeah, it is. Yeah, yeah. queer palm. Um, it's not official, but like it's official. <laughs> like they have like one to give to the dogs too. Oh, it's like not an official. Like, oh, so you're comparing gay people to dogs? Is that what you're doing? I'm comparing awards to awards. <laughs> you just did it, so you're getting all your hate mail goes to Chris Chafin. Oh at yeah, hot, please, please. Hot gmail.com. Chris Chafin at hotgmail.com. Um, so, I mean, what did I think about this movie? I thought that it was, um, tense, beautiful, and I cannot stress this enough, extremely horny. Like, this, was this not the horniest movie you've ever seen? I I was thinking, like, of, like, Meatballs is less horny than this movie. Um, because these two women spend the entire movie desperate to make out with each other. The number of objects which are fingered in this movie is, like, wild. Um, the first time we see, um, the painter... Wait, how many outside of the armpit? There's like there's a, when she when the painter plays the harpsichord for the subject. She fingers her harpsichord. She fingers the harpsichord. She it's covered. She plays with the, the it's, harpsichord. It's covered with a sheet, and she lifts up just a little bit of the sheet and just sticks her hands underneath and is like playing. I felt like she was fingering the harpsichord. I felt like that was there is, a close up? You were no, there was not a close up. Horny from someone were, playing a harpsichord. There was no close up of the fingers just, playing something. It's like, you were like the she's way fingering that the shit. way that she lifts up the the skirt of the harpsichord. She and does it. Slips her hands underneath to make beautiful music that transport the both of them i was like this is an early metaphor for like she's gonna finger blast this girl okay but you did say the opening shot which uh why the opening shot is her on a boat and it's kind of mysterious because like what is going on like the, even the uh sea levels like kind of crooked in the background mm-hmm. i love that shot. yeah so yeah. good oh it's great right Mark, what made you horny there <laughs> no i didn't i didn't mean to oh. say the opening shot that that, oh. uh, that was not one of them oh, i thought you were just <laughs> no i mean no it's it's like one a, of the few instances they show men in the movie is that opening shot well it is interesting i mean because as much as the call me by your name is about it's the world of men i mean this is uh, the world of women right? oh yeah I mean, uh, purposely so they don't even show uh any men really outside that one opening scene and then at the end where she I think the men that they do show play like a pretty particular role yeah. too right it's like yeah, they're like monsters the one right? man I mean, who's like taking the painting away which means he's also taking her yeah. away from her lover and then the last man is some guy who's mansplaining her own painting to her oh, right. at a gallery who she's like this is mine and he's like yeah well i think it's about this 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 and that and she's like oh, i gotta navigate this fucking world <laughs> like where's my lover and then um this is an unseen man but a huge part of the film deals with the chambermaid being pregnant and they're trying to help her get an abortion yes um so i mean that's like a very easy dichotomy where like the like women on the the women on women sex is very like you know explosive and sensual and freeing and the man on woman sex is like a huge fucking burden you know that takes like a whole community of people to undo the damage that it does Mm -hmm. Hmm. 
There's yeah. like a lot of low key fem, not even low key fem, just feminism stuff. Even the uh, amazing uh, bonfire scene where it's even shot to be like, oh, this reminded me a lot of like just a uh, gathering of a coven or, or something. Well, it was almost like Midsummer. Too, yeah, the way they have this like but crazy just, chorus that yeah, they're all women, doing. Right? Uh, coming together like this is a known thing they all come together and celebrate and that's the scene where uh and that's the moment where later uh she reflects that that might have been the moment where she first wanted to kiss her right? oh yeah, yeah she's yeah, like yeah, exactly. yo when we were surrounded by these women and they were chanting mm-hmm. that's when you first wanted to kiss me. Uh, i was reading this too uh and i didn't put it together uh but that was the first uh they don't have a lot of music in that movie uh but she said she but they wanted... talk about music yeah they the do time, right? yeah. and they said she wanted to hold it till that scene she and she said it was really hard for her not to put music in this movie but she wanted to, that, that clapping song which is a very cool song uh to be like a big first instance of the uh, music uh, which does play a big role um, because it's like the two of them connecting mm-hmm. and they're making beautiful music together is that like kind of the idea uh yeah and it's also the part where the title comes a little bit literal where she actually catches on fire i was wondering if she was going to go for it like if it was just going to be the painting was a metaphor Mm -hmm. and then that image was going to be you know she extrapolated in a a metaphorical idea and then painted but it's like no literally she catches fire and that's the idea for the painting yeah i will say so i was thinking that and then also part of me was worried that she was going to like die in a fire there's also she sets fire I think unintentionally at first to the origi- to the first painting of her without the oh, face. Yeah. Oh yeah. And, the, and literally the heart catches fire. The heart yeah, of the mm-hmm. right. catches fire. Yeah. I one thing I speaking of the first painting. Um. So the the movie is right. Like Caleb was saying, uh, one character has been hired to secretly paint the other character. And so for the whole first half of the movie, she's like, it, it's it's a fantastic cinematic device for setting up two characters to smolderingly look at each other for like a full mm-hmm. hour, and it's like driving the plot forward <laughs> that they're like just eye fucking each other. Um, but that's that's great. But then she's painting this painting based on her memories, right? And um, the thing about it is the painting is really bad. And you can t- the movie is telling you that the painting is bad because like her hand is shaking and you're seeing it. And there was a certain point where you see the face of the the painting, and everyone in the movie theater I was in was laughing because it didn't look anything like the <laughs> person. It's supposed to. It really looked like her. It looked like the painter. Like she had put herself there. And the then, first painting. Yeah. The first painting. Yeah. The exactly. one that she wipes her, wipes she her, scrubs she, the face. Yeah. Up, yeah. Exactly. Face up. Yeah. I thought I laughed hysterically at that face. Because yeah. Because it was terrible. Like, <laughs> It felt to me, and maybe cut this out after I say it, like a very butch lesbian interpretation of that actress. But it was like, and and I loved, so I loved that, that she was obviously, they showed her being nervous and doing a bad job. And then I further loved that they showed her pretending that she thought it was good. Like, I think any creative person can identify with that impulse of being, where the person who's commissioned it says like, are you happy with it? And she goes, Yes, yeah. <laughs> which I thought was really funny and true. Um, but like, also speaking of um, things that are like mildly anachronistic, there's some like threads running through the film that I thought were interesting that are make it like the characters like cool modern people. Like the painter, one of the first things we see her do is take off all of her clothes and like smoke a bowl in front of a fire, but it's like a bowl of tobacco, but it's like, she basically seems like a modern LA person like hanging out in her cool house, but it's like, you know, 1780s France or whatever. Um, And there's like a few things like that where it's like, they've, very effectively, I think, put like modern sensibilities of what's interesting and cool in a like you know seventeenth century or eighteenth century France context, um, which I thought was really interesting. And I mean, it reminds me of a movie that you know we liked a lot, The Favorite, right? I oh mean, sure, yeah, yeah. Which I thought was um, cool. yeah. There's all these like modern touches, but I, the pace of it uh, reflects the era. And that painting is so slow. Uh, I heard I stole this from somebody, but like instead of taking sending uh, nudes to somebody, you'd send them 
a portrait like this, which would take so long oh to, God, to like do. Like a saucy portrait. Which she does in the movie, right? She oh, draws, yeah, she, she draws, draws yeah. a, a nude portrait of herself inside that book. To yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. With, with the crotch mirror. Yeah. So the, oh, the crotch mirrors. <laughs> oh, my God. Yeah, that's, that was something else. And so she's painting her... She's painting her lover's naked body, and then she's putting her, her head. head on it, right? <laughs> right. And the mirror's being held in her lover's crotch, which is, like, fantastic. <laughs> it's, like, a great, great sequence. Uh, but the plotting and pace of it, I uh, I really responded to. One, it's really slow. I love slow movies. But uh, you anticipate things that are about to happen, but everything would happen, like, a beat later. Like, okay, and they're going to do it now. And, like, okay. And then it would come. I was like, oh, man, this movie's fucking with my internal clock. I loved it so much. <laughs> A movie it reminded me of that almost we could have been doing with it, although I really like doing Call Me By Your Name, is uh, Disobedience, which is another movie that's about, you know, mm-hmm. same-sex attra- attraction between women, where it's in oh, a yeah. community with, where it's uh, not Rachel allowed. Weiss and it also, movie? yeah, Rachel yeah. Weisz, yeah, exactly. And, um, and Rachel what, McAdams. And Rachel right, McAdams. Right, yeah. right. The Rachels. Yeah. What I thought was interesting about this movie versus that movie is they're very similar in that the whole first half of the movie is building this tension of attraction between them, which eventually is released. But in disobedience it's with like a 15 minute super hot sex scene mm-hmm. which is very explicit but in this movie it's like they kiss and then it like cuts to them being naked in bed oh sure i there thought was... it was interesting how it elided sexuality as much as it was about yeah. lust it didn't it didn't wasn't about sex well it wasn't directed by a man yes i mean right? yeah I mean, I mean not to be like obvious no, or anything about true. it but i mean and i think i could be completely wrong but i think sebastian lilio who directed disobedience is is gay I'm not sure. I'm oh, not that yeah. that changes the fact that he's he's a man, but I think there is. You see it even with "Call Me by Your Name" a little bit. There's always a sort of a maleness that comes to the approach to like a water cooler scene, or we need a big moment for people to talk about, or we need mm-hmm. big masterful stylistic moments that everyone can take away quite easily. And what I loved about "Portrait of a Lady on Fire" is that it is so like right from that first shot of the of her on the boat, right? That's such an incredibly composed, beautiful shot. That only like a masterful director would kind of come up with. But it also with, feels but... so lived in at the same time. It doesn't feel like remote. You know, it yeah. feels like masterfully composed, but also like you could imagine this is life. It doesn't you know? feel like it's showing off. Even yeah. one of its best shots when she first follows her out of the house oh, and we're following God. her. Oh, God, hood, amazing shot. And then so the hood fa- falls down. What a character introduction. You don't get that sense of like possibly like a, a male director being like, look at what I'm showing you. Look at this yeah. shot. Look at how incredible mm-hmm. this thing is that I've composed. They don't, yeah, they, feels... this, this shot's so good. Uh, they don't, uh, so um, we don't see. Uh, a Heloise character for uh, a minute, but she's talked about between her mother and uh, Marianne, uh, and there's like some more loaded conversation. So when we do first see her, it's just her zooming out and then fully like hooded up. Uh, the hood pops off. You see her blonde hair, and then she's running, and then she just stops on a cliff and looks back. It's, it's very wild. because we're given to understand that her sister has thrown herself off a cliff, and, off cliff, and yeah. because of that, she has not been allowed to leave the house. And so they, she's through whatever you know, she's allowed to finally leave the house. And the first thing she does is run full tilt at this cliff, and then the painter, the other characters running after her, and we're we're all thinking like, oh fuck, yeah. you know. But then she just stops exactly short of jumping off, and it's it's just so well composed, and it's also so well done because of. Uh, They've set up that with the problem with the previous painter was he never saw her face, and so then we yes. yeah like you're saying we, we see, see her in her this hood, either. and we're as the audience we're so tense we're like is she gonna see her face like what is it gonna be like she's gonna you jump know? off a cliff is she gonna it jump has... off a cliff it's, it's just it's so what in the first like ten minutes they set up all these these points of extreme tension really like rockets you into the movie very quickly also like can I don't think anybody could have come up with the shots with Adele 
that um, the director comes up with if she hadn't been extremely intimate with her for an extended period of time. Sure. Not, And I don't mean that in a sexual way. I just mean that the way that she captures, simply the way that she looks behind her right. and the way yeah. her eyes look when she looks behind mm-hmm. her, there's, it's incredibly moving. But I don't. I can't imagine anybody just sort of casting her randomly and being like, and knowing that those, those, oh, yeah. those things would sort of come off of her when she does like that. Like even one of that more, more uh, intricate things she talks about is like her painting her ear. I was like, yeah. oh, she just talks about the detail of ear of her of this of her ex lover's ear is very interesting. Isn't that the first thing that she talks about? <laughs> yeah, painting ear, like yeah. how it has to compose to the cheekbone. Yeah, it's very. And she's like so, she's like the whole always yeah. bold. Uh, talk for a second about how the good the p- actual paintings are in this movie too. The paintings are I mean, really the good. The actual the final painting that she yeah. does is, is pretty good. <laughs> yeah, it's very good. I mean, although the painting, so the it's kind of a frame story in that we meet the painter. Afterwards, oh, yeah. after this is all, and she happened. says, like, and the we title see line. <laughs> the titular portrait of a lady on fire, and it is actually the title of a portrait. Yeah. <laughs> that painting wasn't great. I wouldn't say it was. You know, it was like a little. It was. I don't know. I didn't find that painting to be great, but like, I think the portrait of her was very good. I thought that portrait was. Chris Schaaf, an art critic. Yeah, I, I used to work in the art world. Whatever, fuck off. <laughs> you mentioned this at the beat when you were first talking about this, but how the. Um, how the lighting mirrors paintings of that time, especially oh, yeah. like the warm colors when they're sort of bathed in shadow and like warm orange. Uh, a lot of the cave on the beach stuff yeah. too. Uh, there's this one shot. Uh, I think it's with the two and the housekeeper, and they're like it's like raised grass, and like they're like popping up. Oh yeah, that oh, was great. Oh, oh that was like I for certain, when I saw that I was like, is this turning into help? Like, they, like, they're like popping up and looking around. And, like, well, then there's that great sequence where it's a hallway, and they keep running out of different doors facing each other. You know? Oh, I thought that was just so beautiful. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I basically, I, you know, I'd heard all sorts of great things about this movie, um, and I was very impressed with it. I thought it was beautiful to look at and I, I again I cannot stress enough how horny the movie is I feel like the two of them are so horny for each other Chris uh, talked about how horny was and talked about there was an abortion in this movie I, I'm not saying I was horny I'm saying the movie was horny yeah, it's saying, pretty horny the movie is horny the movie the two characters are very horny for yeah, each other I would say the sexiest scene in this movie to me was uh, their first acknowledgement of it she's painting her and she's like saying like well you do this I've noticed that you do this and she oh, goes yeah well, I see you too, and you do this. And then they start moving closer to each other. I was like, ooh. And they're like about (laughs) to kiss, but then they don't kiss, right? Which is just like one of those things I was like, oh, here they come. Nope, they don't give it to me. Yeah, I know. Like how many, it was very like, obviously it was very staged in a certain way. Like they're very obviously about to kiss and then don't kiss, but it definitely put me in mind of all the times in my life where I've been like, in a situation like that where you're like, painting. definitely I should kiss this person, and but then you're like, oh, I have probably to finish I my painting, I can't. <laughs> I can't. You're like, all the times I've had to paint aristocratic ladies in 18th century France, and I've wanted desperately to make out with them, but there's been societal reasons not to. Do you know what I'm saying? I thought sure. the horniest scene was when she uh, played the harpsichord with her fingers, <laughs> which you normally play with your elbows, so clearly it was she uh, something she was trying to instrument. say. They oh. do, they do do what? They, so there's a sequence where they do drugs, and then they one of them fingers the other one's armpit, and it Wait, it's very sexual. Yeah, um, I thought they were like is a it, is it mushrooms? but it was just like a paste. Yeah, they yeah. rubbed a paste in their armpit. Was it supposed <laughs> to be mushrooms or like what? What in the world was going on in that sequence? And is that a true thing that happened in history? It's a which it's interesting as a response almost to blue is the warmest color, right? Another mm-hmm. sort of. Um, lesbian love story from France, which was what, like six, six years ago, eight years ago, something like yeah, that. which features a like 19 minute unbroken <laughs> sex scene that is like wildly pornographic that yeah, for some reason when it came out, everybody got behind and was like, this is not pornographic. <laughs> this is just a clinical and this is love. And it was like, are you out of your mind? <laughs> like that was this, Whereas this movie 
that was directed by a man. This is directed by a woman. It's all about how women see each other yeah, via art connection, you know? and connection. And this is like specifically, as we were talking about before, not titillating in that very obvious porno- pornographic way. But so um, much of the film as well can be seen as these different layers of women creating worlds for themselves. Well, right, right? of like course, yeah. The way the filmmaker sees the women, mm-hmm. the way that the painter sees women, the way that the women within the film create these insular worlds. And men only interact with that world to kind of destroy it or mock it. Um, this is completely, completely off topic, but I just have to add before we move on that the mother of this movie, did any of you guys recognize this actress? Uh, She looked a little like Virginia Madsen, but I know that she wasn't. (laughs) I will tell you who she was. She was the hot girl in the Hot Shots movies. Oh, the, um... The first one? Yeah, well, the French one. She's in both of them. All the missions, you had to come walking into this one. It's a sequel. I had to come... Part two as With well. the black hair? Yes. I don't remember the Hot Shots. I own really? the Hot Shots movies on DVD yes. and I don't re- remember. Um, you know, Charlie Sheen's girlfriend in the movies. The ones sure, where like, sure. they like, fry an egg on her stomach or yeah, something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I remember right. those scenes. Uh, I really, I don't know. I don't. I, I, I get stoned and watch those <laughs> I mean, I, I was like 11 when Hot Shots came out. So like, uh, it was a very important part of my life. I have seen Hot Shots within the last 10 years. Because uh, there was a $5 DVD with both of them on the same disc. Gotta <laughs> on do the it. Same Gotta, disc. Gotta do it. Don't fuck around. Yeah. You didn't have to flip it, right? It was on the same side of the uh, same disc. I don't think I, I, think I where, had to flip where, it, actually. Where did, where did you find this disc? Like a Walmart? Like a gas, <laughs> Might have been a gas, gas station. station. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> when you saw it on the rack, we were like, Ooh, yeah. <laughs> I was really into breaking down uh, movies like Airplane and Amazon Woman on the Moon. Like, well, okay, see, these series, it could be very silly. I'm yeah. just into when people shoot chickens from bows. From bows. That's like my oh, sure. thing. That's what I'm really That was into, uh, Men yeah. in Tights. Oh, no. is that not this oh, it might movie? Be, it might be part, hot, part two. Uh, part two where he's like Rambo. I think he shoots a chicken. I have his... to go rewatch yeah, these movies now. Damn you. Gun, but I actually only have memories of part two where he's Rambo and like they fight Saddam Hussein. And he dips his end. hands in like I remember there's a scene in part two where... Yeah. Uh, yeah, right. Yeah. And Saddam Hussein does a uh, T-1000 thing. I think. <laughs> oh, right. Yeah. Right, yeah. I remember there's a scene where uh, he's swimming, then he farts and it wrecks a submarine. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry, what? <laughs> like he's fart, like he's swimming underneath a submarine and he farts, and then the submarine just starts sinking. <laughs> Leave it to the boys to dip into yeah. a hot shots oh, conversation. Yeah, I mean, the there's a connection. Portrait what can I say? There's a connection, you know. Um, uh, portrait of a lady on fire. You guys just want to talk about hot shots? Let's talk about the hot chicks and hot shots. Hot shots about these. I mean, you know, there's only like five speaking parts in this movie, and one of them was a very important character in Hot Shots. So, like, you know, I'd be remiss if I didn't mention. Yeah, you're right. Um, so that's enough of that. Um, the next movie this week is Call Me by Your Name. You only knew how little I know about the things that matter. What things that matter? You know what things. Call Me By Your Name is a 2017 movie starring uh, Timothy Chalamet and Army Hammer and Michael Stuhlbarg in a fantastic role. It's uh, this very like languid movie about an Italian summer where this romance blossoms between Timmy and Army. And we just sort of see them in this this amazing otherworldly situation that is like being an academic living in a country villa in Italy in 1983. You just get to watch these characters who are almost like inert the entire film. There's just this sense of like, there's several scenes where Timothy Chalamet is asked to do something and he says, what, now? <laughs> because like the whole vibe of the movie is like, oh, I'm just like hanging out here right now. 
but to me, what that means is it's not only beautiful to look at it and emotionally moving, but it, it's it's again a movie that's very lived in, and 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 it, well, many scenes start with the camera in a very kind of random place, and then it spins around until it finds the characters, which you know has a lot of effects. But one of them is to just make you think like. This is just the world. Things are just going on. And here are a couple of people who are having this experience that, you know, ultimately will be very fleeting. Uh, it was a movie that hit me like a ton of bricks, especially sartorially. Uh, I love the fucking clothes in this movie. It completely changed how I dressed for like a year and a half. It's a fantastic movie. I love it. It's one of my favorite films. Uh, Caleb, what, what did you think about this movie? Uh, so this is only the second time I watched it. I saw it in theaters when it came out, and I forgot how, uh, and it's a beautiful love story, but I forgot how much of a coming-of-age story it is, too, for Elio, for for Timothy Chalamet. How much of a coming-and-a-peach story did you say? Oh, (laughs) uh, of age, but I didn't say peach. There is the spoiler for your 2017 movie that he fucks a peach. Yeah, I mean... He high arts American Pie. Quite quickly, by the way. Like, upon rewatch, it was like, he puts the peach in his shorts and comes. He fingers it it a little bit. Well, I feel like to get him a again, boner, he's a yeah. kid, like, you know, he's he's horn dog. But well, like, he's doing it for the purpose of trying to learn how to not come so. Because he comes when he f- fucks his girlfriend oh, really fast. And then he fucks the peach. And he comes Is that why he says there's something wrong with me? Well, no, I think that's unrelated. But it's when yeah, he, I thought when it was he, because he was embarrassed about fucking Well, yeah, the peach. no, that is true. But when he fucks the peach, he comes, like, right away. And he goes, fuck. And he seems very angry. And I've always thought it was because he's trying to not come so fast. I thought he was like, fuck, I came. I mean, maybe that's like my own lens movie, you know? You were like, same, bro. I I totally fucking get it, Timmy. I totally get Uh, it. Ricky mentioned earlier that like there's like no a men directed movie there's like no big scene this that was the big scene in this movie that everyone always talked about i remember even before it came out like oh he fucks a peach he fucks a peach uh and it's like a, a, a very memorable scene in the movie uh i would love i didn't read the book i would love to actually read that passage right, I bet it's based on a it's actually a beautifully written peach fucking scene i heard it i mean i've read interviews with the director because this is a famous scene it's been written about so much uh, he was saying in the book it's so beautifully written that it's almost seems like a metaphor, like maybe it's not actually happening. So supposedly both him and Timothy Chalamet actually fucked peaches before they filmed the scene. Oh, you got to practice, yeah. To see if it was if it was indeed a possible thing to do. And they like on Did set... Did he take Wait, the... Wait, what? Is that, re- is that true? Yeah, this is true. On set, So on set, uh, the, the director said to Timmy like... Oh, so, you know, this is what we're doing. And just so you know, like, I know that this works because I did it. And, you know, and Timothy went, well, so did I. Of course, of course, I, of course I did it. I wanted to make sure that it worked. <laughs> did he take the pit out? They take the, he takes the pit okay. out. Yeah, that, that's what the fingering is. It's, it's, it's sensuous, the but the point of it is to take the pit out. It's to get room for his <laughs> pit-sized dick. Um, Are you guys Chalamet boys or Hammer guys? Wow, oh, good uh, question. That's a good question. Yeah, uh... I, I think Timmy was. Uh, I mean, obviously, this is his breakout role. He's going to be Bob Dylan pretty soon. Uh, but it was indeed his breakout role. Uh, Allow me to loudly go <laughs> into the microphone. <laughs> Finn Wolfhall. Finn on uh, what was that show? Homeland. It was his first thing. Oh my god, <laughs> he's such a piece of shit in that. Where he accidentally be like, wait, Timmy Chalamet was on Homeland. Yeah, he was the yeah, president's he's the, son. No, he's the vice president's vice son. President's and son he, and he hit and runs someone. Hit, yeah, that's a plot in Homeland. <laughs> yeah, it goes on for like eight episodes that they hit and run this guy, and they're trying not to get caught. What a Tell who? Her parents, the cops, and. uh... I was trying to watch Hot Summer Nights last night, which is on oh, Amazon. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Another Have you guys seen it? Movie. Yeah. No, but I when I searched for Call Me By Your Name, it was like, do you mean did, Hot Summer it Nights? It did come up, yeah. 
Uh, it's not bad. It's not great. It's not. It's not bad though. Yeah. It's him and uh, Micah. I always forget Micah's Monroe. Maybe Micah is Monroe. Right? Yeah. Is that from, a good from film? It There's some great filmmaking in it. Like very um, heavily contrived and influenced filmmaking, but still kind of like decently done. Is it? Is it from this year? No, no I it was think like, it was released yeah. last year, but I think it was shelved for like three. Oh, yeah, years. I think Until they like really. Yeah, eight twenty four is like, oh cool, we got a Timmy movie. Let's put it out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, but yeah, he's a, a very excellent in this movie. I think uh, he excels at like Elio's very believable. He's a very self confident kid. I mean, he's uh, multiple speaks multiple languages. Is a piano genius. Uh, but he's also excels showing the how self conscious uh, how self conscious you can be as a kid who uh, doesn't know how he is attracted to someone and doesn't know how to talk to. It's oh my God, yeah. very, very like fun line to walk, and he uh, is very, very good at it. Uh, he's a kid who thinks he's smarter than he is, uh, but he's still actually pretty smart. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it is. it does conjure this whole world of like that I've always been my, wanted to belong to, which is like playing intellectual games and randomly speaking French to your mother for no apparent reason and like transcribing music. Like they're just, they're living in this world of, like you know, uh, this world of the mind. Northern Italian summers. Warren supporters, really, is what you're Warren talking supporters, about. Supporters, <laughs> exactly right. Yeah, this is just this world of Warren supporters where they're trying to prove to each other how qualified they are all the time. There's several moments where people like are unwittingly subjected to intellectual tests, <laughs> which they pass, you know, because they <laughs> otherwise they would have oh, to yeah. leave, you know. Um, but I, I found that like extremely. I mean, it reminded me of being a kid. I mean, you know, there's an there's an interesting movie in the or a moment in the beginning of the movie where Army is saying to Timmy, like, oh, what do you do here all the time? And he says, uh, oh, you know, read books, transcribe music, swim in the river. And, like, Go number one, that sounds fantastic. And number two, that is the entire vibe of the film. Like, that <laughs> is the, the pace of the film. Those are the activities <laughs> that happen in the film. Like, they are laying out for you in minute, like, 12. Like, this is what the entire movie is going to be. And, I, and I, I am 100% here for it. Like, I have, you know... It's very much a fantasy, like the yes, whole yeah. movie, right? Like nothing bad happens. Yeah. No. Sure, he gets his heart broken, but like it's it's portrayed as like, you know, this is an early moment in his life. His life is going to go on. He's supported by his family. Mm-hmm. Right. His family is so thing, supportive. The worst thing that really happens to anybody in it is Army Hammer because he has to deny his truth for the rest of his life. Yeah. Right. right, he, right. He's yeah. getting engaged. It's not it may not be exactly what he wants, but for the most part, the parents are supportive. The girlfriend who's getting left yes. is supportive. supportive. So it's supportive. It's like an extremely yeah. fantastic movie. And it's like movie. two men in Italy, which, spoiler alert, is an extremely chauvinistic country, who are like making out with each other on the streets mm-hmm. in 1983. And there isn't. They do a, hide and try, try to hide themselves, but, but yeah. But there isn't a moment where anyone says yeah, to them, true, like, what true, are you yeah. doing? Or like, like you can't do that. You know, that, 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 that doesn't enter into it at all. Glenn you know? Kenny actually wrote, with well, the year that the movie came out, he wrote a piece about. Lady Bird and uh, well, the year and of Chalamet, by her name yeah. and was kind of like these are two movies that do not represent a reality in any <laughs> in any way. Like nothing, yeah. nothing bad happens. They're extremely sentimental. Imagine being uh, a seventeen-year-old kid and getting your huge crush at that time, <laughs> like seeing like someone across the way be like, "Oh, this person's fucking hot," and then actually hooking up with them. That's not that. Well, that's that I was thinking, well, if, imagine you're seventeen and you're gay, and it's Army Hammer. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, right. it's, he shows up and he's like, "Yeah, dude, I'll fuck you." And your parents are like, "That's chill. Go yeah, great, for it. go for it." Do you guys yeah. want to take a trip for a few days and go fuck each other somewhere? You know, uh, if you want to, that would be great. And then when it's all over, your dad cries because he's so proud of you for fucking. <laughs> <him>. <laughs> uh, yeah, Army Hammer in this movie. Uh, who I don't know. He always kind of has the lunkhead energy. And he does even have that here, but that times his aloofness is great, works perfectly for this movie. It allows 
you understand why Timothy Chalamet, uh, Elio, is attracted to them, and you you understand why he has a chance with him even. Army Hammer didn't like him. This was a complete 180 I did for oh, him. Oh, made you like him? Yeah. Uh, I mean, one thing I will say, re-watching it, speaking of that back rub, is I, I don't know how I thought it had, had, the romance between the two of them came about when I first saw the movie, but watching it a second time, it was interesting to think, because Army Hammer's coming on very strong to Timothy Chalamet, like, immediately. Oh, right off the mm-hmm. bat. Right off the bat. He's, like, rubbing him. And, changes like, in front of him, he, like, I think. He, like, he, like, kicks, the, kicks his bedroom door open while <laughs> Chalamet's masturbating, oh, yeah. and he's, like totally shirtless he's like what's up bud he's like, hey what are you up to what are you doing yeah. right now do you want to come swimming with me yeah like, let's come swimming let's, yeah. come on let's do it right now and then but then there's this interesting thing where he sort of like backs off and disappears for a long time and then makes timothy come after him where it just seems very calculated like from the very beginning which sure. again gets me back to something i mentioned earlier like in 2020 how do we square the fact that this is a adult man grooming shall we say a teenage boy to have sex with him like <laughs> I, I, I you know to watch the film and to read the book it's very romantic and interesting have you but, read the book no i haven't oh, okay haven't. but i mean from what i understand <laughs> from what i understand you know so the difference in ages he's like a grad student so let's say 28 20, 27 28 yeah in yeah. the book he's actually i believe 22 24 oh really and and the kid and and the Eli- kid at ilio is like 17 well, yeah that's 17 like a lot is, yeah. less uh, problematic i would say yeah but in the movie yeah they cast army who's like 30 grad student, 43, yeah. I think. Exactly, uh, right. <laughs> he has uh, a grandkid in this it movie. It is weird. And it was weird that this movie, it was actually out and being celebrated like at the moment when awareness about how bad things like this were were happening. Like, like Brian Singer was being drummed out of Hollywood while everyone was celebrating Call Me By Your Name. And you're like, isn't this the same? Isn't this the same? You know? But it's not because Brian Singer was victimizing people and was a terrible person. Oh, yeah. But, he whereas this power. is a romance is like between two people actual, of equal stature, yeah. more or less, right? There's consent involved in this. <laughs> there's consent involved in this, well, right? Well, yeah. But the argument is like, if, if of a certain age and there's a power dynamic, can consent really be considered consent? I think right. within the context of this relationship, sure. it seems as 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 yes. But yeah. because it requires Timothy to like seek him out, and and they multiple times mm-hmm. there's like, do you want me to kiss you? Like, do you want this? And, and we're offered yes, more yeah. uh, Timothy's perspective, Ilio's perspective in this movie. Yeah, but it is interesting to think about. Sure. Um, and it's hard to know how it would how it's hard to know how it would go if it came out today. It was brought yeah. up. I mean, it was it was definitely brought up when the movie came out in 2017. I don't think it was um, I don't think it was harped on or like talked about all all that much because mm. people just really liked the movie. Because it's just it's just a beautiful yeah. film. Yeah. You know? Also, like, Brian Singer is a uggo, and we got two beautiful people there. <laughs> yeah. The main difference is whether or not you're an uggo. Um, is Brian Singer an uggo? I don't know what he looks. I don't like. think. Well, he has like frosted tips. I think doesn't he have frosted tips? Uh, he. Directed X Men, so he's a nerd. Also, singer. Well, I shouldn't even get into it. Never mind. I mean, he'd been <laughs> doing stuff like he's been doing stuff like this for, for like, like twenty years. Yeah, right? yeah. yeah right. Like since he got like in the door in Hollywood, he was like, "How do I commit crimes?" Yeah. <laughs> he's like, "Who wants to come have a hot tub party at my place?" He created a company with another pedophile that was like a whole yeah. enterprise about putting kids, like young men, <laughs> on camera who were like runaways in L.A. Yeah, I, there was like a huge story about this somewhere, right? Yeah. Like I forget where it was. I forgot what it was. It's like CDM Entertainment or. Something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So me and Ricky were talking about this as well earlier. The whole aspect of the titular "Call Me by Your Name" aspect of this movie. What what did you make of this, Caleb? Like, what 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 is this representing? Is this Uh, a common thing somewhere? Like, what? Why does this happen? Why are they calling each other by each other's names? Oh, that. Yeah. 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 I I think it's just a playful thing they do to uh, each other. They know it's a secret, and they know they could have this between them and say it in the open. 
kind of like if he's like, oh, hey, Elio, to someone and someone heard them be like, oh, that's weird. And even if his parents be like, oh, hey, I guess he knows my name. It's a safe, fun thing they have. For, but it's just a thing they have between them. You just them. think it's like a playful couple thing. Yeah. But when it's first introduced in the bed. It's like a sex and thing. And like Army Hammer is like, call me by your name and I'll call you yeah. by mine. I was like, why wouldn't Timothy Chalamet be like, what? <laughs> <laughs> and, then, and then he can, like Army Hammer would be like, oh, it's a thing that we'll do. It'll be fun. Like that. And he'll go, oh, okay. I, I like that. Yeah. Let's keep having sex. <laughs> yeah. But there's not a say. It's like. It's he like, just gets it immediately. It's like a movie where somebody's like, I'm from the future. And you're like, okay. <laughs> like, it's like, oh, awesome. Yeah. <laughs> like, call me by your name. All right. Sure. That's a totally normal thing everyone does. I'm a werewolf. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> it's like, I've literally never heard of that before this movie and never heard of it since. I mean, uh, I don't know if I'm just like a very square person and i don't i don't run the only time i can think of it on mad men once when they hired the second black secretary uh they kept calling each other by uh their own other, each other's names just because they kept getting confused for each other but that's a race thing well i mean i you know don and shirley on I mad men between... season six six seven because it's like they're like hidden minorities or something yes. right i mean because of being like don chambers this time in life or this time in history me remembering um, details on Mad Men. <laughs> uh, very good. Very well done, Caleb. Uh, Chris mentioned it is a good uh, costume movie for him. He was yes. part of this. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is a great bicycle movie. <laughs> yeah, this is a great bicycle movie. Uh, even like, oh, I hit a ditch, and he have a nice little mechanic for him. Who's oh, and they really keep nice. showing his like bruise, which I guess is oh, an yeah. excuse just for him to pick up his shirt and show it to Elio. Sure. Like, is, is that why that keeps happening? I, that makes sense. Yeah, it also I mean, was a gnarly bruise. It is up there with like breaking away in terms of like romantic bicycle. Films. Yeah, they even just like have a shot where it's just like, oh wow, they're just biking down and just holding it while they see him in the distance for a while, and it's beautiful dirt road, beautiful Italian countryside. We but you know see. what I thought was interesting was as beautiful as it was when they were doing the biking around the Italian countryside. Like, uh, it's also, they do a good job of just saying, like, this is just the place where they are. Do you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like, I've definitely had these experiences of being, like, lost in Europe or, like, walking a long way to somewhere in France in, like, July. Oh, yeah. Where you're just like, this kind of sucks. Like, like, I'm enjoying myself and I'm having a great time, but I'm also (laughs) just, this is just where I am. Do you know what I mean? There's nothing inherently romantic about it. Uh, The cinematographer's name is Sayambu Muktiprom. Uh, sorry, I pronounced that. I'm sure you pronounced it 100 percent correctly. Uh, he won the Spirit Awards that year. I always say Spirit Awards is better than Oscars, uh, which also Chalamet won for Best Actor mm. uh, that year. Uh, this was 2017. Great, crazy good Spirit Awards year. Uh, Get Out won Best Picture. Uh, oh, you got awards for Greta Gerwig, The Big Sick, Ingrid Goes West won an award, uh, and then you got noms for Good Time and uh, Columbus, which I love. Uh, Barry Keegan. Killing of a Sacred Deer got a nomination. Oh my God! Killing oh, of a Sacred cool. Deer. Wow. Spirit of the Lords. So much better than us. What a year! What a year! What a year for what cinema. What else? What else has that cinematographer shot? Does he primarily work with Guadagnino? Uh, I believe he shot a bigger splash. Uh, okay. I don't know anything else off the top of my head. All right, hold on. I'll go look up uh, on IMDb. You guys have to say something else. Um, I will say uh, I liked uh, Chalamet's performance in this a lot more than I liked his performance in. Little Women, where I found him to be entirely miscast. Oh, and really? I no. thought that he didn't like. He just did not work for me in that movie. So we've at all. talked about this a little bit about Little Women. I I just feel I see, like he's dreamy. I feel like his dreamy, job is to be dreamy. I, he That's sticks what, out a he's little. Doing it, uh, you know? He's the most anachronistic. Am I saying that right? Anachron- uh, uh, anachronistic. Anachronistic person in that movie. There are just so many moments where he's like tiptoeing around or like hopping, and it felt very forced and he's phony to me. An whereas... underrated. Uh, 
I don't know, maybe it's underrated, uh, but he's a very physical actor. Like, uh, first, uh, Elio in this movie, he always slides around in the room. That like, stuff is great. Yeah, that's or great. He, like, yeah. Or that stuff is very childlike. Yeah, that, yeah, that makes sense to me. He's like, very gangly. Where he enters very a room and energy. jumps into an armchair yeah. like, from behind it. I was like, oh, that's so good. It's such a teen boy But I can see do. that it is, like, weird and... Well, in Little Women, he's supposed to be... He's, he's what's his... Lowry? Laurie. Laurie. He's Laurie. And there's, like, a moment in the beginning of Little Women where the women are making fun of his tutor oh, yeah. and are being like, Oh, that boring tutor. And then they cut to the room and the tutor has like a jaw cut from glass <laughs> and is like totally ripped with like a linebacker's shoulders. Yeah, and it was right. like, I don't under, I don't understand I, this dynamic what, what whatsoever. Like, like Lori is a crybaby, <laughs> and this guy is like a man, I don't like know. a huge attractive man. Yeah, yeah exactly. Um, but what we, what we were saying about Timothy and in, in this in call me by your name his physicality and I think that's actually one of the strengths of the movie overall is that every, all of the actors have a very unselfconscious physicality. Mm. Everyone just seems mm-hmm. like everyone seems like what it's supposed Are to be. Talk they're about they're just Ham- fucking hanging out at this villa uh, in Italy. You the know? Army Hammer uh, dance scenes. I mean, I think he looks so stupid in those <laughs> dance scenes. I know that's beautifully stupid. stupid. Beautiful. Yeah, it's iconic how stupid he yeah. looks. Like yeah. it creates something. Also, I want to say like the, those dance scenes also remind me that like I don't know if it continues throughout the rest of the movie because eventually I just got lost in rewatching it again and stopped paying attention to this. Yeah, but sure. it feels like the first act of the movie, every shot is a low angle looking up at the characters. Oh, maybe, yeah. Like at the dance floor, when we when we meet oh, when true, we meet yeah. Army Hammer, outside of it's like, you know, they're getting out of the car and he, it's a p- point of view looking down. But by and large, it, the camera feels sort of waist height consistently for like the first half of the movie i think that kind of changes but i was just i don't necessarily understand why he did that i mean i guess when they do that it's like to you know add weight and power to the characters right and i mean i guess it's we're seeing elio the hero shot right yeah like Like we're seeing elio look at army hammer and it's just like we're uh watching people watching yeah yeah Yeah, we're watching him watching him right you know uh there is a great shot it's a one take and it's when elio first uh becomes vulnerable and uh, lets know his feelings uh, they park their bikes, uh, and then they oh, both go yeah. on separate oh, sides of this gosh, little God, statue. Uh, and you could hear them, but it just goes up and see the top of the statue, uh, and then it comes back down. And like they had this whole conversation, like kind of reject. He was reject. Uh, yeah, uh, he is rejected. Yeah. Uh, Army Hammer's rejected anything. What's what's Oliver is his name? Oliver is rejecting Elio. Uh, but then it's like. I don't know. The way it was composed, it's like they're close together, but there's so much caution they have there as they're talking. Well, uh, I think I very, thought that very was smart very shot. well done. And then yeah. it happens again after they have sex for the first time. They like there's kind of a distance between them, and then they go off swimming together as they are always doing. But they you first see one of them swimming, and then the camera pans over like many oh, many yeah. degrees, and the other one is a very different place in the lake. And then they're getting dressed afterwards, like on very different parts of the bank, and it's sort of telling you like you know maybe they are feel weird about having fucked each other like because you know that was this the whole movie's been leading up to it and then it happened and then it's kind of like neither one of them is sure how the other one feels which is so often the case in a situation like that yeah. in real life where you oh yeah if you have a long simmering attractive just it finally someone, happens yeah and you feel like you shouldn't do it for some reason and when you actually do it then you're like oh fuck you know and like if you're worried the other person is mad at you and they're worried you're mad at them and it's like it can be it can ruin the whole thing or right worried there. what the next step is yeah well, exactly right? like right. oh no like what what is it where do we go from right. here do we just suddenly plunge in and like take this as far as it can go how do we even go back to where we were before? and for elio there's a whole thing of it too of like and i don't know that he's like a hundred percent you're supposed to be thinking he's thinking this but there's a layer of like 
well, like, am I gay now? Do you know what I mean? Because mm-hmm. he's he. Uh, other than that, we aren't given to have it. We aren't as an audience thinking that he has any other gay things going on. Like he has a girlfriend, and but it's just something about him. Army Hammer has like there. He's just riveted about by him. But it's like it changes his whole conception of himself to have this oh, relationship. Yeah. You know, um, that leads to. Um Michael Stuhlbarg scene. Can we, oh, yeah. can we, can we get yeah. into it? Yeah. So the end, this we... is the very close to the end of the movie. Yeah, yeah I think we should just spend yeah, the next please. like thirty-five yeah. minutes <laughs> talking about like King God Stuhlbarg. Like oh, just... one of our great actors. He was in uh, so many Best Picture nominees. I think even that year. That's He's not in the, the Shape year. of Water. Shape of Water. Yeah, He's in right. Shape of Water. Uh, yeah. And it's a very, very different character. But he has this speech near the end of the film where he's talking to Timothy Chalamet, who is his son, and he's and he's. You know, saying what, Ricky? Yeah, he's basically a, he's you. basically aware of uh, of the relationship, and it's the first time that he's alerting Timothy Chalamet that he's aware of the relationship. And he says uh, he basically gives a speech. I'm going to brutalize it <laughs> in my summary, but you never know where love is going to come from. And as you get older, your heart sort of closes, mm-hmm. which is funny because I listen to uh, the rewatchables about Breakfast Club, and they keep playing the clip where Ali Sheedy says, uh, "As you get older, your heart dies," <laughs> which I thought was funny that this made it into this movie. <laughs> you know but he's kind of saying that as you like you 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 stop being as open to experiences like this, and don't ever do that. And he says he. He never got the kind of experience that Chalamet got in this moment because he had always been a little too closed. Yeah, and um, they both they both kind of cry, and it's, it's still kind of a fantasy. It's like the most understanding parent mm-hmm. ever of that time, which I mean, I guess it makes sense for the context of the movie. But uh, what struck me is that I don't think anybody could have delivered that monologue that wasn't a well accomplished, amazing theater actor. Not simply just because it's a monologue, but because it is kind of an expository theatrical monologue, and it's telling you the themes of the film, mm-hmm. yeah, right? and, and like, like how, very explicitly. Like yeah. I, that's incredibly hard to make natural unless you know how to do that on stage. Yeah. Like you know how to be like, okay, fifty rehearsals of this will make me natural, like driving this expository mm-hmm. theme, <laughs> like driven monologue. Yeah, like, uh, man, I can't wait to get out of Africa. Yeah. Like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> These Star Wars are killing me. Um, but he delivers it beautiful. He delivers it beautifully, you know, and it's it's so natural and seemingly effortless. And I mean, I remember seeing it for the first time in the movie theater and just feeling like, you know, I was hit by a truck because yeah. it's like, it's so beautiful and emotional. And I, and I just couldn't help but think selfishly, like what a beautiful thing to hear at this time in your life. If you're a Timothy Chalamet's character, like I wish that to God, I would have had a conversation like this, not even with my it's father, a, with it's, anyone. It's still, that, that's what makes it against our, like a, a, a movie. That's a fantasy. Like, right. Exactly. Have you, do you know anybody no, gay or not. straight that ever had a conversation like that no. with their father? Like they're, <laughs> The best father would be like, like the most, the, the best, most open-minded father. Would be like, do you have a good time? <laughs> okay. All right. Well, uh, be careful. So, um, you guys gonna see each other again? Or uh, okay, okay, yeah, okay, yeah. Right, okay. Fine, I think, fine, you're, fine, I think yeah, your mom's fine. calling me. I think your mom. No, she's not. I don't. Hear, no, I hear her. I gotta go. <laughs> yeah. Whereas this is like extremely deep, emotionally uh, observant, and like it's amazing advice. I mean, I saw it in, when I was thirty-five, and I was like. I should remember this. You know, this is it's very gonna, important for me to think on. about. Yeah. Um, and it was, it was, it was amazing to see in the film and it was, it was unexpected in a way because Stuhlbarg kind of is like, he's the dad and you feel like he's disconnected from what's happening. A lot of the movie. And, and there is a kind of a nod to that, even in that speech, because he says like, does your mother know what happened? I bet she doesn't. But of course she knew like the whole time. Mm-hmm. And when we, well, as the audience may ask know, if, if she knows, Oh, I thought he goes, to, he goes, does mom know? And he goes, I don't think so. I don't think so. Of course, she's known the whole time, right? I mean, but it's like when Army calls, 
when Army Hammer calls and is like, I'm getting engaged, they congratulate him, and then the two parents look at each other like, yeah. oh, he's going to have, <laughs> yeah, Timmy's right. going to have a bad night tonight. <laughs> even, yeah, even like, Oh, you want to talk? We'll let you talk to Elio for longer. Yeah, yeah, we'll we'll let you talk to Elio. We'll we'll go. We'll go. <laughs> but that is that is also a really cute scene because they're both holding the same handset and talking into it. It's so parents. It's very very <laughs> cute. Um, no, but I was. I mean, he's fantastic in the film. I love that there's like one scene. He, I think there's an interesting parallel. I was noticing this time where um, they kind of are costuming him like Army Hammer. Like Army Hammer is almost wearing the same outfits as uh, Michael Stuhlbarg in the huh. movie. But obviously he just looks a lot better in them. And I was wondering how intentional that was and to what extent we're supposed to be thinking there's some kind of like, you know, father relationship happening between the two of them. Because I don't really get that vibe from watching it. But looking at the film, I was like, they're almost wearing exactly the same outfits. It's just that like he is his Army Hammer student. looks so much better in them. You know what I mean? That you don't notice. And it goes to the theme of what Michael Stuberg said, which is like at a certain point, no one's going to want to look at your body. So it's like right. he is basically grown-up army hammer but it's like you don't even process him as a sexual being because he's like whatever 52 and hairy and overweight that you're like oh whatever you know yeah but it's like it's a very similar thing and it lends some gravitas to that speech because you're like yeah good point i guess i was not (laughs) thinking of you like that this whole movie sorry (laughs) sorry I don't know. You got anything else you want to say? Caleb? Uh, boop, boop, boop. Uh, I will give a little shout out to. Uh, this is a Merchant Ivory film. They've been making movies. Is since it really? The, it's yeah. a Merchant Ivory. Yeah. yeah, James Ivory wrote it. Yeah, James Ivory won an Oscar for it. He was the old, um, one of the oldest Oscar winners uh, at the time. Uh, he was supposed to direct it, or yeah. he was supposed to co-direct it. With yeah, Luca, he, uh, right? he, yeah, he always uh, directs all the all the uh, movies, dating back to like their old Indian movies in like the '60s. Uh, but his uh, and, and him and uh, I forget Merchant's first name, but they were um, Stephen. Well, <laughs> uh, they were uh, lovers. Uh, they were uh, partners together. Uh, the uh, Room with a View, Howard's End, uh, Remains of the Day are the only ones I've seen. <laughs> there's like literally like sixty of these yeah, movies they've lot. done. Yeah, uh, but it's cool that they made a very contemporary movie and won an Oscar for it. It is cool. I mean, speaking of Merchant Ivory, just there's a few movies that we've done on the show. Like I would say, Little Women is one of them, and this movie. Uh, Portrait of Lady on Fire and Call Me By Your Name and there's been some other ones there's been kind of a resurgence of this like very sort of classical early 1990s like well composed film this kind of like reserved but emotional kind of melodrama which I think is amazing and I I wish there would be a lot more of these movies like I'm super fucking here for it you know you think it's a reaction to the sort of like documentary like the prevalence of documentary both as documentaries and in in the sort of style of it and fiction filmmaking yeah, that we like see all the time the, like the digital like the yeah. digital filmmaking like uh, everything feels, oh, sure, aesthetic, yeah. everything feels like run and gun and just kind of like oh well, get two handheld cameras we'll and shoot infinitely shoot you know yeah. like i mean a movie i'm i think about this because uh, i know that he went to the same program that i went to at the time that i was there but a film like moonlight mm-hmm. which i think is great but it definitely has that aesthetic which is like an infinite amount of digital video was shot and we've edited it together in a way that's like poetic and impressionistic um and there's so many good movies these days are like that that i do think there's a there's a certain movement that's like well let's you know let's compose the shots sure, and think let's like james gray is the director who i think would fall in that category yeah. too yeah uh, and i mean even like you know this is a different that. kind of movie but even like something like the lighthouse is kind of like that because it's like very you know it's like a comic book basically that you're watching sure you know sure I mean? also these movies call me by your name little women what was another one that you well had? this one the portrait of a lady on fire portrait of a lady i'm not sure about that one but james gray yeah all 35 millimeter oh, sure, true. these are people who are like 
only shooting on, I should look up what Portrait of a Lady was shot on, but those primarily are people wanting to shoot on film and going for like a classical look. And when you shoot on film, you don't really have the opportunity to shoot with like seven cameras, yeah. as far right, as I know. Yeah. So you become what Tarantino refers to it as an actual director rather than a curator, <laughs> right, which he right, considers right. most directors to be now, because they're just sort of getting, getting into the editing room with all their footage and choosing takes via that, via mm-hmm. that way. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And I mean, I think it's, I, I really like these kind of films. And I, I, you know, I've talked about this before when we talked about Little Women, but there's that thing where Greta Gerwig was on the director's panel and they're asking her, what is cinema? And she's like, well, fuck you, oh, I don't yeah, know. Yeah, yeah. But she <laughs> says like, well, you just know it. There's a kind of a feeling you get when you see a film, like right from the first shot and you just know this is cinema and that, that's what films like this are to me and I know there are certain kind of like you know they were basically like high budget you know middle brow commercial films from like 1988 through 1992 but I feel like culture has changed so much in the intervening years that to me and you know given what my age like the, the, uh, that resonates with me as, as being like this is cinema you know well, what I mean well there's a sort of rediscovery of like these decades right where like it seems like in the 90s up until like 2010 or so it was like rediscovering the 70s yeah. cinema yeah, yeah, and yeah. now there's this sort of rediscovery of 80s and 90s yeah like the Hollywood whole independent, independent boom film. of the yeah. 90s like there people were like oh uh, they did some crazy stuff like then let's steal that and we have money behind it now. We can make these movies. And there's or even all... going back to the in, the Invisible Woman feeling like Paul Verhoeven. Like oh, sure. that's so clearly a take yeah. on the thriller that he's going mm-hmm. for. Yeah, people our age who uh, have crazy access to movies now. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah. Uh, like the, look at the guys like the Safdie brothers who are complete movie nerds, or just like, oh, I'm going to put a whole bunch of references to uh, other movies. <laughs> no, I was excited I for you to finish they're, that they're, sentence, Caleb. They're, they're still so steeped in se- like yeah. 60s and 70s. Yeah, they are very steeped. Yeah. And like a little bit of 80s, but by the time it gets to the 80s, I feel like it's like only undiscovered, broken, yeah, I was gonna made say, from yeah, TV right, like yeah, movies right. somehow. I was going to say like Abel Ferreira's 80s movies yeah, or exactly. uh, even uh, older Elliot Gold movies. And I heard him like, talk about George Siegel movies. Like, George Siegel? Yeah. <laughs> Come on, guys. Or have you ever seen, I think it's called Straight Time with Dustin Hoffman? Oh, I've, oh, I've heard them talk that. about that's that very, movie. very yeah. much, yeah. It's a great movie. That and, like, Out of the Blue, I think, the Dennis Hopper movie are, like, really the touchstones uh-huh. that I always... All right, nerds. So, like, let's say that you had to throw yourself off a cliff if you weren't going to pick one of these two movies. This is the final question. This is the 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 actually best choice. Oh, Oh, yes. Okay. Yeah, so you have to pick Um, one of them as being which. If you have to recommend it, uh, the way I like to think of it is if, if someone said to you, like, oh, which of those movies should I see? Like, you know, just a like a friend of yours. Well, I think. Uh, me and Chris are going to disagree, so maybe Ricky should go third to break the tie. Oh, okay. Uh, well, if I assume we're going to disagree, because I'm going to pick Portrait of a Lady on Fire. Yeah, sure. Uh, so, uh, very close movies. Both beautiful movies. Both beautiful movies. Uh, I went for my tiebreaker. I went to, and, and this is why I thought of it. Uh, I saw Portrait of a Lady on Fire uh, when it ended. The very last shot may, reminded me of Call Me By Your Name, where it's oh, yeah. a single it's shot on someone similar. crying. Uh, that's what remembering text, their that's my text love you, affair, yeah. being like, oh, let's go do that. So in building to those, uh, so it's Elio's crying at the fireplace after a phone call that tells him that he that's not going anywhere. That's uh, you know some build up. There's a lot of whole movie builds up to it, but the build up for the last scene in uh, Portrait Laid on Fire is Marianne sees Heloise from across the room at an opera, separate balconies. It's too far to do anything, but then we get a close-up on Heloise being overcome with these emotions as she hears that song that that orchestra the orchestra starts playing the song from that piano that from Chris the piano referenced. fingering exactly, and yeah. she just starts like 
I, I felt that so much more than I mean, it's the, uh, beautiful, you know, and yeah. you hear lots of people while you're see people on Twitter saying like, oh, you know, sobbing during the end yeah. of Portrait of a Lady on Fire. That know? one got, got me more. So I, I'm, I'm giving the slight edge to, okay, I couldn't do the initials, P-O-L-O. <laughs> yeah, whatever, whatever, just stop. P-O-L-O-F. Um, Pottle, Fargo, yeah. Um, so they're both fantastic films. And again, it's ridiculous to pit them against each other. You should definitely see both of them. I mean, if you're going to ask. And, and it's also like a very, it's a trap in a certain way. Because one is about uh, women and the world of women. And one is about <laughs> men and the world of men. And I feel like if I pick the men movie, it's because I hate women, right? Um, which I don't. in this don't. scenario. It's not like Inglorious Bastards versus Portrait <laughs> of a Lady on Fire. I think you're okay. No, but I mean, I would definitely say Call Me By Your Name. I mean, I just think there's there's just a quality that that movie, like, transports me to another, like, way of being and another way of understanding life. I mean, I, I think one of the things that I love about the movie is it it shows that your day-to-day life is what's magical and special. And I think that that is something that all of us should remember. You know, anytime they go to a party or they go to a bar, it's always like an interruption that is worse than the just the normal boring parts of their real life. And I, I think there's something very beautiful about this, the way that it's like, you know, you know, these are the days of our lives. Like these are the ways we were spending our time on earth and we should all remember it and be present and celebrate it. And I, and I think that's really beautiful. Plus the fucking clothes rock. So I got to go and <laughs> call me by your name. Um, I think, uh, I, oddly, I think the end where she's crying at the end of portrait of Lady on fire, you just remind me while I was watching, I thought of Margaret, the long, oh, sure. uh, uh, completely different context, but you know, she's bawling her eyes out at, in the at the climax of an opera, as she like sort of that's true, yeah, and, yeah. feels everything from the entire movie. But uh, I feel like um, I think Portrait of a Lady on Fire is a more substantial film mm. than Call Me by Your Name, and actually has a lot more to say. Oh, than I Call mean, Me by Your I mean Name. that is true. I would agree um, with that. Yeah, and on that front, I would I would you know if I was telling like a movie to keep for the future, mm-hmm. I would say <laughs> keep Portrait of a Lady on Fire because I think it's a a, a more important movie. But I will say I personally have a better time with Call Me By Your Name because I enjoy the sort of like self-conscious comedy of the movie, which consists of like Chalamet doing his like teenage shoulder moves and like Army Hammer's dancing. I would agree that. The awkwardness between the two of them. Like I just remember the moment that I saw Call Me By Your Name for the first time and Army Hammer was dancing and the person that I was with laughed giddily like a child <laughs> they thought it was so, they blushed for him they thought it was so funny and you know portrait of lady on fire is not that movie but i genuinely enjoy i mean i you're just always gonna find me enjoy men making fools of themselves like <laughs> yeah, in, in, in cute ways yeah, that is a strong part of your aesthetic. there's definitely yeah. more of a like a, a cult classic campiness to yeah. call me by your name which yeah but wouldn't personal. necessarily fall into the category, no. not that I'm the one to define it, of gay camp. Like, no, it's yeah. not necessarily... No, if anything, there, if anything there's like maybe a slight influence or just like a smart or like a little wink towards. Yeah. Uh, which is kind of awesome that that movie even like brings that up. But Hammer is so quintessentially like... Uh, American male, yeah. which they yeah. reference in the movie. Oh, he's so like he's always in his early scenes. He's always like eating later. a huge amount of food. Later, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, and later, and he's like an sucking down a bunch of eggs, and he's like 
gulping a whole glass of juice in one second. He's just he has this like lust for life, and he's like consuming everything around him. He's very funny in the movie. Yeah, Chalamet is adorable and and funny as well. And I think I just kind of gravitate towards that just a little bit more. Do you think that's both those actors' peaks? We hope not for Timmy. He's still very young. Still young, but I mean, he hasn't really done anything as good as. Got Bob Dylan coming up. I mean, people Uh, love Little Women. I just didn't particularly. I I like it. I didn't love his. I like it a lot. I I like it, and I like him in it, but I don't think it's as good as another uh, Oscar buzz movie. uh, Beautiful Boy. Beautiful Boy. With a good Steve Crow performance. And uh, there's other stuff that he was in. That did not. Did you see Beautiful Boy? I did. <laughs> I didn't not, like it. Not great. No, I didn't like it at all. <laughs> it was very much like a, uh, our agents put this movie together so we could win awards, you know? Like, yeah. yeah, and then it was a didn't do that. They're really they trying know. to push Steve Crow for those awards, when which is Steve great. Steve Carell, like, in it. Um, oh, that's when he got his daddy look, too, yeah. right? Like the, the new plugs in the, in the beard. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, but God. he. Um, I mean, I loved him in the wrestling movie. Oh, Foxcatcher. Fox oh Ketcher. yeah, Fox Ketcher. Yeah. Well, because he was doing Michael Scott. <laughs> he was doing like a head, like a more of a mouth breathing Michael Scott, right? Like Michael Scott with a prosthetic nose. I was yeah. John Dupont for Halloween once. <laughs> <laughs> it's I a saw, really good outfit. <laughs> I couldn't find the proper nose, so I had to buy a witch's nose. <laughs> I mean, did you pretty tr- much did the same. Have, did you have to trim it, or did you just go with the witch's? I just went nose? with the witch's nose. <laughs> That's really funny because like a witch's nose and like a wrestling. I, uh, I bought a Fox Catcher sweatshirt. Yeah. Um, I'm just looking at the movie's army. I got to do the voice done. the whole time. Sorry to bother you. He's great in that. Well, he's great in that. Yeah, so I like um, uh, Free, Fi- three, Free so. Fire. Uh, I'm a big fan of Free Fire. Ben Wheatley movie. Oh, I haven't seen that. No, That's good. That, it's yeah. it's ridiculous. It's a yeah. movie where it's a eighty percent of the movie is just them shooting each other, and they get shot, and they're like on the grounds and still shooting each other. I mean, I technically that was the... before Call Me by Your Name. Oh, it was. Yeah. I haven't gotten on the Ben Wheatley train. I've tried a few times. He has a movie coming out this year. Yeah, I like Kill Terrace. Oh, dude, speaking of Army Hammer like I went back and rewatched this, and obviously this is a piece of crap, but it's a very well-done piece of crap, is The Man from U.N.C.L.E. Like, to go back and watch that now that everyone in that movie is extremely famous. Guy Ritchie. Well, yeah, all right, that's the worst part, right? But it's like Army Hammer. Are you kidding? That's the best part of the movie, right? Because it's like there's a whole sequence where it's like, the two of them are just going over men's clothes, <laughs> yeah. which is the only thing Guy Ritchie actually wants to do with his life is talk about men's clothing. Which I'm again, I love that. I love it so much. Um, it's like a, if you want to watch like a dumb spy comedy, like I, you literally could not do worse or better than <laughs> uh, Man from Uncle. I think it's like a really well done movie. It's like it's uh, what's his face. Um, Guy Ritchie knows how to handle budgets. The uh, guy who's Superman. What's his name? Henry again? Cavill. It's Henry Cavill you and Army Hammer. And, um, and what's the girl's name who won an Oscar and then uh, played Tank, Alicia Vikander? Tank Girl? Oh, yeah, that's right. Exactly. Not Tank Girl, the other one. Turf, uh, girl Tank? Woman. Oh, uh, Tomb, Raider. Tomb, Ra- Tomb Raider. Tomb Raider. Yeah, Tomb Raider. yeah what a. Ba- was, she, was she in the Aeronauts? Was she one of the people in that movie? No, that was uh, Felicity. What's Felicity's name? Yeah. No, um, <laughs> the, the one who won The one who was uh, Stephen Hawking's wife. Felicity. Yeah, Felicity Jones. 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 Felicity yeah. Jones. Is it just. I was like, it's Jones. Felicity right? Jones, Jones and, yeah. and, and Eddie, Eddie, Eddie Redmayne. Redmayne. Oh, yeah, it was the reuniting from the. Oh, yeah. my God. What a terrible piece of garbage. Like, how. Are you talking about <laughs> Eddie Redmayne being terrible? He's not terrible. No, I'm talking about the Aeronauts being a terrible piece of garbage. No, why would you even watch it uh, you can watch the trailer. Terrible, I had to. it looks it looks like a movie that was like like it was made to play in a store you know like it was made to play next it was to an, it's an amazon <laughs> it was made to play next to a uh, like a like a perfume stand it's you know? one of those awful period pieces um about women that had some of the same problems that i didn't like about little women which is that like it puts contemporary takes on the time like in mm, the characters sure. mouths in that moment and you're like Come on, we can just see that this is happening to them. We don't. You don't have to stop and say, "Well, a woman my age couldn't get married to a man like that because my society strict restricts it, and this, this, yeah, and that." Right. And I would like a career. It's like, 
I, you know, that's what the movie's about. Like, that's what we're watching. And I mean, they I do g- that nonstop I mean, in there. I guess charitably they're doing that to, like, for the audience members who might not be as sophisticated yes. as all of us. You know what I mean? Like, it was a PG-rated movie. Was it a PG-rated movie? Oh, uh, what's it called? Was Little Women? Oh, the Aeronauts uh, was actually uh, NC-17. It was hard. Oh, it, was, it was triple X. so much hot fuck action in that balloon. Dude, it's like they get up in the balloon and then they fuck for 90 minutes. He it talks just about all the veins in his dick for half it's the movie. It's like because other people keep parachuting into the basket and joining the fuck party. And then they just leave again. You Somebody know? order a pizza? <laughs> <laughs> we should probably wrap it up. Yeah, yeah. So that's the show for this week, everybody. Thank you so much for joining Goodbye us. So great to talk all. to you. Hey, guys, thanks so much for having yeah, me. Yeah, thank you so much for coming. It was great to have you. Yeah. Ending, so thanks so much. No, it was great. It's we don't know how to do an ending. We just, yeah, we, we, we just turn the volume down until the music is And then we put the yeah, 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 what you're hearing right now. So, all right, goodbye, everybody.